0: Uh, we're talking about church today. We're we're in a series called "I Love My Church," and if you hear that phrase "I love church," you might be thinking, "No, I don't. No, I don't love church. I've been hurt by the church. There's a lot of predator priests in the church right now. There's a lot of scandal and abuse that's happened in the church. So there's no way I could say I love the church. What are you talking about? I love the church." We're looking at a little letter written by the Apostle Peter. Peter is well known. He's probably the most relatable of the Apostles and disciples. He's the one that put his foot in his mouth so often, and we can relate to that, all of us. He's very action-oriented, and then he thinks about what he's going to do after he's already in motion. Uh, Peter is writing this letter to uh, a group there in Asia Minor. Uh, This letter is being circulated, Statistics have it that probably ninety percent of those people listening to that letter as it was being read um, are, are, are unable to, to read. So they would have memorized a lot of what Peter was saying in this letter. Uh, so for the last couple of weeks, when we've looked at church, we've looked at church as a home, like we're a family. God is our Father. We are brothers. We are sisters. In Christ, we are being reparented here together as a church. Uh, last week, we looked at church as a hospital, and we said that the church is not a, um, a place where patron saints are, uh, you know, made much of, but rather this is a hospital. The church is a hospital for ordinary folk that that need a physician. A spiritual physician. So it's not that, hey, let's go help those people find the physician. It's, we are those people. Check me in to the hospital. Uh, And at the hospital, we're meeting Jesus, who's the great physician. Today, we're looking at the church as a mission. The church as a mission. Next week, we're going to look at church as a stranger in this world and in this city, San Francisco. And then the following week, we're going to look at the church as a citizen, a citizen of the kingdom of God that God has started and envisioned long ago, and that you as members, and myself included, as we as members of the church, we are citizens of this great kingdom, which will have no end. Uh, So today we get started. Three things we're going to look at today that are printed there for you um, on the worship bulletin. We're talking about grace today. As we get into the mission of the church, we're talking about grace. And when we say grace, there are three things about it. Grace that comes to you, grace that grows in you, and then grace that overflows through you. Okay? If grace isn't overflowing through you, chances are it's probably not growing in you. And if it's not growing in you, chances are maybe we haven't really experienced grace after all. So those are the three things involved in mission. And I just want to ask some diagnostic questions just straight from the get-go. I usually save these until the end, or sometimes I try to uh, weave them throughout what I'm trying to say, but I want it to be reflective. I want this to be not just an information dump, but I want you to be reflective and thoughtful with me as we go through this passage together. So, first diagnostic question is How are things between you and Jesus right now? It got silent. There's a big pause there. And I mean that question for myself too. How are things right now between you and Jesus? The second diagnostic question is How are things between you and the church right now? How's that going? And the third diagnostic question would be, how are things between you and your friends right now? How is that going? Okay? All right. So uh, everybody's like, whew, let's be done with those questions. Let's, let's move along. Let's get back to Peter. All right, so Peter, here we are under the grace comes to you part, and there's some verses printed there out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I'll read. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to God's elect Exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Okay, so grace comes to you. Before we start talking about the mission of the church is for us to like go out there and convince people. I mean, hasn't the mission of the church usually been framed in that way? Like, let's go get them, or let's go convince someone. I'm inviting you to focus first on grace coming to you. This grace comes to you. Uh, Notice it with me there. He's talking about being born again. Um, Verse 3 there, in God's great mercy, he's made us to be born again. Uh, Os Guinness, I don't know if you've read him before or not, but he's a Christian scholar, he's an incredible writer. He writes, we cannot find God without God, helping us find God. So Os Guinness is supporting what we're saying here this morning, that grace is coming to you. God is the one who's initiating a relationship with you. Uh, Back to Os Guinness, we cannot reach God without God. We cannot satisfy God without God. Which is another way of saying that all of our seeking will fall short unless God starts and finishes the search. The decisive part of our seeking is not our human ascent to God, but his descent to us. That's beautiful. That's what Christmas is all about, the incarnation. God descends, condescends to us. His descent is to us. Without God's descent, there is no human ascent. The secret of the quest lies not in our brilliance, but in his grace. The secret of you finding God and developing a relationship with God and growing in this relationship with God isn't because you and I are so brilliant that we found the way. It's that God in his grace, and I'm just quoting the Bible right here. Look in verse 1. It says that these people whom Peter are writing to were chosen. They were chosen Uh, elected by the foreknowledge of God. This means this is God's mission. This isn't my mission. This isn't your mission. This isn't the church's mission. This is God is a missionary. God has a mission. God is trying to recover and restore a relationship, a broken relationship with humanity based off of our infidelity with God from the very beginning. So see God as the great uh, the great missionary Peter. You, you may have known this about Peter, but in uh, in, in the book of Acts, uh, Peter there in chapter two, he's preaching one of his most famous sermons. And do you remember the result of that sermon? Do you remember what it says there in Acts chapter two that it says that there were about three thousand people that day that became Christians? Wow. Um, some of us are like, wow. I'd like to see that again. Um, the Point here is that uh, Peter may be viewed as a Christian superstar, but he doesn't want to be viewed as a Christian superstar. None of you are Christian superstars. I'm not a Christian superstar. God is the superstar. That's what we're highlighting when we say grace comes to you. This idea that he says here that you've been reborn, that you've gotten a rebirth and and a renewal, this is all by grace. This affects how you view God. This affects your worship time. This affects everything about what you think about and how you interact with God. Um, Christianity here has reached Asia Minor. I mean, look, look, look at these provinces that are listed here. There are five Roman provinces. He's going clockwise as he names them, North, east, south and west. He's naming the five provinces that have been reached by Christianity because it, it actually spread that God's mission, he had a people in mind that it actually started going in those places. So God is a superstar here. Um, I, I ask you again here, what, uh, how are you doing with Jesus right now? H- have you and are you continually experiencing this grace that comes to you when we say grace comes to you? And for some of us, we may, yeah, yeah, that, that, that was years ago. It was great. I experienced God's grace. I sang that hymn, you know, all about grace, and, and that was good. Um, does he match your expectations, though? Does this Jesus match your expectations? And most of us, most of us would say, no, not really. The group that Peter's writing to, uh, the whole New Testament, um, as we look at this, Jesus is not, is not meeting expectations. They're expecting Jesus to come in and basically uh, fight and beat their enemies. That's who they thought the Messiah was going to be. But of greater importance than Jesus coming in to beat their enemies or beat your enemies is that Jesus needed to fight a bigger battle for you, and that's your sin. To win that battle for us. Uh, Anybody see the movie Wonder Woman? Great movie, right? Incredible movie. Um, DC fans, Marvel fans, not sure who you are in here about about all of that. But uh, it was about time for a a woman hero. I mean, when you think about DC, we've got Superman. we, we, We have all these blah, blah, blah. Man, we've got Aquaman. There's even one, I guess, on the B team called Plastic Man. Do you know about this? If you know much about DC, there's Plastic Man. Uh, It was about time for Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonderful thing about uh, Wonder Woman in in this movie is I really think this was a great summary of Christianity. And uh, I wrote some notes down here about it. Um, She and her origin story, it's Zeus who's created uh, mankind. Remember that part of her story? And mankind is good. Zeus has created them good, but it's Ares, the god of war, has set them, humanity, in opposition against one another. There's a lot of violence going on. And so it's into that context that Wonder Woman shows up in World War I into that context as sort of this Messiah or Savior figure. That's exactly what she does. And as she's showing up, uh, Diane shows up, and it's out of this sense of love and mercy That she brings, not violence and hate. She's not there to perpetuate the violence and hatred that humanity has for one another. She describes her sacrifice as her sacred duty. Do you remember that in the movie? And she's going to do whatever it takes to save the world. She sees the suffering, she sees the injustice, and finally it gets to this point where she says, I believe in love. I believe in love. Only love can save the world. And before you cue the melodramatic music and the credits start going up right there, this is a summary of Christianity. This is a summary of Christianity. Um, that, That there's not a love of power, but there's a giving up of power and a laying down of one's life out of love for you. That's what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't have to have power and usurp and grab power from all of you to make himself great. Rather, he has all power, he's God, and he lays all of that down for you. That's grace coming to you. That is God himself condescending into this world and bringing grace to you and showing you the way. Because we couldn't make a way for ourselves Therefore, Peter's writing out of compassion and mercy. He's not writing, hey, just get it together or just get a little bit more smarter and you'll find God. Come on. He's gentle. He's humble. Why? Because he knows how grace, meaning God, Jesus, has come to him. He's experienced grace. And when you experience grace and when, you, and when Jesus comes to you in that personal way, it changes you. You're reborn. There's a rebirth. And we talked a couple weeks ago about how those, even that terminology is a little bit inflammatory. Go back and listen to it online about what we said a few weeks ago about being born again, those born-again Christians. And um, so maybe, maybe you've experienced that grace. Maybe you're frustrated with the church because you've missed grace. Maybe it's been all about the church. How you grew up with the church, I mean the guilt, the shame, the abuse, the, the numbers, the money, the, the whatever. And I'm just asking a simple question: how is your relationship with Jesus right now? What is that like? And and I don't know about you, but during the week I have just the privilege of talking with people who are processing this. They're processing church, they're processing God, they're processing Jesus. And I listen, I ask questions, and There are so many people that are so frustrated with the church and have walked out on the church and have just totally walked out on God and on Jesus because of the church. And I'm just trying to say, I'm trying to hit the reset button for all of us and say, let's not make it about the church. How am I doing with Jesus? Jesus, how are you and I doing right now? What is that like? The second one here, the grace grows in you. Grace grows in you, and, and, and whenever this grace, Jesus, comes to you, he starts growing inside of you. Uh, God takes up residency inside the life of a believer, and I know that may sound weird, but that's exactly how it's described in Scripture, and in this first century audience, um, it was a group of people, this community, who who were being led uh, by a new leader, Jesus, and uh, as this grace came to them and is coming to you, you, you become grateful and astonished with this Jesus. Let me read about it. First Peter chapter two verses one and five is printed there. It says, "Therefore," and of course that word "therefore" is therefore because of the grace that Peter just talked about. So since that's true, since you've gotten that grace and you've received Jesus and you're a follower, therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What is the church's mission? Look in verse five. You are being built into a spiritual house. Some of you don't feel like you're being built right now. Some of us feel very discouraged. Some of us, our faith, it feels very, very weak right now. But once again, let me highlight that this is God's mission to you. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that amazing that God is the one who's ministering to you? God is with great certainty and competency making sure that his church gets established and gets built right here. And and again, to put back into context, this original group that Peter is writing to, they're going through tremendous suffering. They're going through unbelievable persecution because of the name of Christ this letter would have been like astoundingly great news to hear it again. This would have been so life-giving and encouraging. So verse 5, that you are being built into a spiritual house. What is the church, church's mission? You've received grace. You've received this mercy. That's the church's mission. Verse 1, rid yourselves of hypocrisy and envy. The mission begins where hypocrisy ends. Put away hypocrisy. Put away these things so that the mission can continue to grow in you and this grace can continue to grow in you. The church's mission is also found in verse 2 there. Helping one another grow up in our salvation. We mentioned this a few weeks ago, that word, phrase there, grow up. Some of us are baby Christians. Some of us are in our adolescent Christianity and some of us are adult Christians. has nothing to do with how long you've been a Christian. has all to do with how you're continually receiving God's grace. And that's where growth is found. That's exactly where you will grow. The church's mission is in verse 3 here, reminding one another that the Lord is good. So when we meet up, so when we're spending time together, let that come up in our conversation. Hey, uh, Juan, great to meet with you this week. Um, what's your week been like? And, and, and how can you remember how God was good this week? And then Juan tells me a story about how he's experienced God's goodness this week personally. Not only does that encourage a brother or a sister who's telling you that, but it encourages you. That's our mission is to love each other in that kind of a way, to encourage one another in that kind of a way. Let me ask that diagnostic question again. How are things between you and the church right now? I'm going to quote the San Francisco Chronicle. read this about four years ago. It's a great article, and it was called Churches Need Not Apply and the City's Vision for Treasure Island. Uh, San Francisco's master plan for a show, I'm quoting, San Francisco's master plan for a showplace 21st century neighborhood on Treasure Island does not include room for a single church, synagogue, or place of worship. Then, I don't anybody read that article? Great article. Um, then you read all the comments. Right? You know, you, whether you're reading New York Times or Chronicle, you've got to read the comments down here. Uh, the comments, no churches? Sign me up says Lefty Wino. I kid you not, that was the name there, beside Lefty Wino's uh, comment. Another comment said, imagine a place uh, to live that has no space for the hatefulness, hatred, bigotry, prejudice, and lack of love of humanity that exemplifies contemporary evangelical Christianity. You may say I'm a dreamer, but I'm not the only one, writes another, Another comment there said, what a wonderful idea. A whole world without churches. Sounds like heaven to me. <laughs> I'm not making these up. Uh, another one said, finally, a place without bigots. And that person's name was, I got it right. Maybe you too are dissatisfied with church. Church. Maybe past pains, past hurts, needs that you have that aren't being met. Hypocrisy that you not only see or read about, but that you just feel. Um, You might say, you know what, I don't really need church. I mean, I got a group of friends. I kind of like to become a little bit more robust of a citizen and do a little bit more volunteering. And I I mean, I got more traveling to do. I want to see Tahoe a little bit more. I I just don't have time. Right now, to, to be a part of church. Um, and I, th- I think this question here how am I doing with the church right now? I just, I just want to say, as a way of encouragement, it's impossible. It's impossible for us to just pop in to a Sunday service every now and then, for any of us, anywhere in the world, at any time in history. And then critique the church and say, I, I, I don't think I'm, I, I can't find community. I just can't find it. Um, we are here together. We are brothers. We are sisters. I, I can't emphasize that enough. This is home. The church is home for us. This is who we are. It's part of our identity. So, so, so the sitting on the fence of, well, I just don't know if I have time for it or not. This is a call to, as grace grows in you, to to commit to say because of who I am because this grace has come to me and is in me don't look now but I'm a part of God's church I'm a part of God's church We have different vocations we have different passions different ethnicities of course and guess what we're to celebrate all of that We're to celebrate all of that diversity and yet declare that our unity is in Christ and this gospel that we've been talking about and this person, Jesus, who is the superstar, not Peter, not myself, not you. Lastly, grace overflows through you. Grace overflows through you that if indeed you've experienced the grace of God through the person of Jesus, that grace continually grows in you and is healing you, and restoring you as a person, and reparenting you and myself as people, it naturally begins to overflow through you. We know the analogy here that you've experienced a great meal or a great vacation, and you, if this isn't just extroverts, by the way. Introverts have this in them too. You desire for others to experience the same thing that you did. It's part of our humanity Uh, Lots of new tech companies. If you'll scroll down through their senior staff list, there's even a lot of staffers called product evangelists. Yeah, product evangelist. Like the word evangelism, everybody knows what that means. It's gotten a bad rap and a bad name uh, to mean what others want it to mean, but it simply means telling people about something that's incredible news, something that you've experienced. And in particular... This is what he's doing here in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. He says, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? This is a group that's suffering now. Keep, keep, keep this in mind. They're suffering, they're undergoing persecution, and so he's reminding them, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as the Lord and King. For Christ also suffered once for sins that the, right, for the, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body but made alive in the spirit. See, as we experience grace, and I don't mean just one time ago, like a long time ago, when I was a kid or whenever, yes, remembering it, calling it to mind, but day by day, flourishing, thriving in that intimate relationship, personal relationship with Jesus, that, that it's a real person that you're praying to and talking to and you're reading the scriptures. You're, you're interacting with a God who's alive and coming into that time with the Lord saying, I'm back to the hospital again. There's pain unspeakable. There's dreams yet to be fulfilled. There's things I, I, I need someone to really understand and know about me. And only you, God, are that safe place. Only you know me in that way. Give me your grace and forgiveness continually. Um, this grace overflowing through us here, look in verse 15. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. The hope that we have. The hope that we have. It's so easy to hide in the news feeds that are going on all day long in and out of your phone into my phone. We just read and read and read all day long and, and meanwhile feel no hope within us about everything else that's going on. Anybody feel that? Anybody feel like hope is somewhat threatened based on what news feed is coming in? Or what so-and-so decides to do today? Or social media feeds that's coming in and so like my emotions and how I think about myself and my identity is all going to be shaped based on what was fed to me. And Peter, speaking to Christians, he's saying that's not where your hope is. Your hope is in Christ the Lord. Christ is your king. Uh, Much different political leader than you've ever experienced. Much different friend than you've ever known. Verse 15, he says, as you're uh, sharing this hope that you have with other people when they ask you, Be gentle when you do it. Don't be obnoxious when you do it. Be respectful when you do it. Enter into a dialogue with people. Learn to listen to people. Ask people their thoughts. Ask people their religion. Take an interest in them. Invest in them. It's like friendship. That's what happens in a friendship. Christians don't have to be weird and try to control and convince people. Enter into a dialogue and be real with these people because we are those people. Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 and 12. This is Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount where he's saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. He says, This, blessed are you when you are persecuted because of your faith. Wait a minute, how is that a blessing? That hurts. That hurts here in San Francisco when to be a Christian means you're a significant minority. It means that someone might not say something outlandish uh, at you at a party in front of everyone to embarrass you if they find out that you're a Christian. But most certainly, there will be subtle uh, things that are being communicated to you because of that identity that you've just given. Sometimes, not always, but sometimes. And Christ your king is encouraging you, saying, when that happens, you are blessed. That room full of people uh, thinking of you and how they're thinking of you, uh, they may not be blessing you, but you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed, he's saying. Uh, This idea of of, of, of grace overflowing through us is just a reminder that the church is not a cruise ship. The church is not a place for us just to drop in and uh, have lots of critiques and they need to start this program and they need to do this and they need to make it more comfortable like you'd get on a cruise ship, right? This idea of grace overflowing through us is a reminder that the church is is a little bit more like an aircraft carrier. We're being sent out, not alone. We're being sent out together. We're being sent out as Christ, your King, is with you, walking with you, ministering to you as you go. So in conclusion, let me read this promise of Jesus about his church. And by the way, this title of our sermon series, I Love My Church, we're quoting Jesus. Jesus loves his church. We might get frustrated with the church. We may be totally disappointed in the church, or we may idolize the church. Jesus says of his church, I love my church. I love you. I know you. You are mine. You are broken. You are beautiful. I love you. Hear this promise of Jesus as we close. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. I'm, Jesus saying, I'm building my church and not even the gates of hell can prevail over her. God is on a mission. We become his missionaries as we receive that grace and as that (laughs) grace grows inside of us and we overflow with that grace together. Let's pray right now. Father, we want to meet with you right now in prayer as we ask ourselves and we ask you, uh, how, how are things between you and us right now? Speak to us. Maybe it's been a week since we've even checked in with you, God. Maybe we've been so busy. Work deadlines and just our schedule's is just so crazy. And you don't want us to feel guilt. You don't want us to feel shame. You want us to feel pursued, loved, cherished. So God, restore our relationship with you. Let us re-experience your grace, your forgiveness. And as we think through that question, how are things between us and the church right now? Father, as we're connected not only to Christ, but as we're connected to Christ's church, help us serve those around us to our left and right right now in this church. Help us commit in new levels and in new ways to serve those in need. Inside these walls and without. And lastly, the question, how are things between us and our friends right now? Father, let us be a safe place. Let us interact with friends in a respectable, loving, merciful, compassionate, truthful, honest way. Father, here all of these prayers. We pray in the name of King Jesus, amen.